The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the Midwest Crime Files. I'm your host, Gina. And I'm Chris. We're here to tell you the stories of small towns, the heinous crimes that changed them forever. Today, we're going back to 1985, when on November 8th, the town of Mount Vernon, Illinois, was left in utter shock by a crime so heinous, the citizens struggled to understand why it happened and how it happened. And to this day, this is a crime the people of Mount Vernon will never forget. It's a day that marked the end of five lives. This is the story of the massacre in Mount Vernon. Thomas Odell was born five days before Christmas in 1966. His parents were a young married couple in Mount Vernon named Robert and Carolyn Odell. In Robert Hanlon's book, for which Tom actually collaborated, Survived by One, The Life and Mind of a Mass Murderer, Carolyn is described as living a childhood that was very restrictive and she was possibly even a victim of abuse. As a result of this, Carolyn apparently kind of perpetuated this cycle of abuse. Robert, on the other hand, was more passive than his wife. In a letter to Hanlon, Tom states, quote, My mother was a very strict woman. I was never allowed to play with other kids in the neighborhood. She wouldn't let me go to their homes and they weren't allowed to come to my house. If my mother saw some kids in our yard, she would chase them away. And that would lead to teasing at school the next day. End quote. He further describes his mother as having an explosive temper and rarely showing love. So, I mean, that's pretty indicative already yeah. of a problem. Yeah, that sounds like some abusive household off the get-go. Tom was not quite five years old when his sister Robin was born. And in contrast to the way that his mother was cold and distant with him, Tom believed that she was very loving to his younger sister and that she strongly preferred his sister to him. Which, I mean, there's always some of that in siblings, but it seems like this was very well pronounced. Tom describes in his letters to Dr. Hanlon instances of not being allowed in the living room where his mother and sister were. At this point, his mother was allegedly becoming more agitated with him and was physically and verbally abusive. And I say allegedly throughout this because even though I do believe that Carolyn was abusive. There's nothing there to prove it. Right. She was never charged with a crime. In 1972, Tom's younger brother, Sean, was born. According to Tom, Sean was not wanted by his mother at all. And his mother treated Sean extremely poorly, even worse than she treated Tom. And Tom said he treated Sean very poorly, too. Tom is described as being resentful for having to care for Sean. So as a result of that, he kind of just, like, took his anger out on his little brother. Right. I mean, it's that whole resentment. 
1975, the final member of the Odell family was born, Scott. The Department of Children and Family Services were involved in the Odell family, you know, pretty much confirming what Tom is saying about the abuse. Right. DCFS was involved when his younger brother, Sean, described being chained up at night to prevent him from, quote, stealing food, end quote. That's kind of shitty. Right? Like, that's that's taking it a little too far. I mean, we have five teenagers, and they destroy our kitchen at night. Right. You get up, and you're like, who the hell closed this place last night? Right. It's a mess, but you would never tie them up. No, I'm, I'll put a chain on the fridge before I put a chain on my kid. <laughs> right. Hamlin's book describes severe instances of physical, emotional, verbal, and mental abuse, primarily directed by Carolyn towards Tom and Sean specifically. And Chris, I'm going to have you read a quote from Tom. Okay, Tom said, quote, I was chained two to four times per week for a few hours, usually from 6 to 9 p.m. or so. The chaining began when I was about 9 and ended when I was about 12, end quote. Tom alleges that his father was complicit in this abuse, and because he did nothing to prevent it, Tom began to resent him as well. You know, no, he wasn't the one who was abusive, but he wasn't doing anything to protect his children. Right. DCFS, when they got involved because Sean had been tied up, they only removed Sean, which I thought was odd. Yeah. If you're abusing one child... You're most likely abusing other children. Right. So, they did remove him from the home temporarily, but eventually they brought him back to his parents' custody, and all of the Odal children were back under the same roof. As Tom grew into an adolescent, though, he found himself in a lot of trouble. His delinquent record included one count of felony theft, four counts of residential burglary, one count of attempted residential burglary. He admitted that he was abusing drugs, including marijuana, cocaine, heroin, and alcohol. Like, he's deeply disturbed. Yeah, he is. Paul Odom... Well, and I, I wouldn't, like, it wouldn't be that bad. I mean, I wouldn't put it against him because of the fucking upbringing he had so far, you know? Right. Paul Odell, who is Robert Odell, Tom's father's brother, so Tom's uncle, is quoted as saying, quote, been giving his parents problems with drinking and drug abuse, end quote. And that was to a newspaper shortly after the tragedy. So, I mean, Tom certainly was not an innocent victim in everything. It sounds like he was certainly abused, but he had some of his own, you know. Demons to deal with. Right. And Tom's problems as a young adult were just, they're enough to just make you just want to, like, scream. At age 17 and 18, he was in trouble for sexual activity with younger girls. And this was per his own admission. And it was as a result of this activity that... He found himself in a little bit of trouble when he, one of his underage partners became pregnant. Right. And at that point, the family of this girl told him, basically, you either go into the military or we're going to press charges for statutory rape. Right. So I guess the thought was, if you go into the military, you're away from my daughter. Right. So, 
So according to Tom, at that point, he went into the army and his girlfriend was forced to have an abortion. When he returned from the army after an honorable discharge, his girlfriend broke up with him. So in the book, he basically says that he was doing well in the army, but he decided to do something he like fake an injury, basically, Mm -hmm. so that he could get out because he wanted to go home and be with his girlfriend. He became a malingerer. That's the term you're looking for, malingerer. So that's what he did, but... It didn't work out for him. Right, because she broke up with him. So then he said at that point, he struggled to hold down a job and he sunk into a very deep depression. Conflicts with his parents continued and he abused drugs and alcohol and he participated in illegal activities, which, I mean, if my kid is over 18 years old and he's doing drugs, drinking and getting in trouble for theft and and shit like that, like, I'm going to be pretty upset too. Like, move out on your own then. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. And in 1985, Tom really hit rock bottom. He was unable to find any success or meaning in his life and his parents they were done they said move out of our house you have until 4 p.m on friday november 8th 1985 now keep in mind this is after numerous conflicts in which tom admits he got violent with his mother on more than one occasion and according to tom once he was told he had to move out he became suicidal And he had plans to kill himself on that Friday, November 8th. So according to Tom, on the morning of November 8th, 1985, he woke up around 9.30 in the morning and did what he always did. He smoked a cigarette. He further explained that he went to the kitchen to get something to eat. And while he was in there, he said for reasons he's not quite sure, he slid a knife into his pants. His father was the only person home at that time. Tom described going back into the kitchen and stabbing his father with the knife in the neck. His father attempted to move towards the phone, but Tom blocked his attempts and continued to stab him in the neck and in the stomach. And Robert Odell died in the kitchen. But Tom drug his body to the master bathroom. Like it's weird that it went from, I'm going to kill myself, to I'm just going to kill. Right. In Hanlon's book, Tom personally describes waiting for his mother to return home. And then he ambushed her as she came into the house. He stabbed her in the neck and forced her to look at her dead husband on the master bathroom floor before he killed her by inflicting multiple stab wounds. <sighs> Carolyn Odell died on the master bedroom floor close to where her husband's body now lay. Right. Tom cleaned up after the murder of his parents, but he wasn't done. He went to see his girlfriend, who, this is a new girlfriend, but she's underage too, by the way, around lunchtime, and then he hung out with some of his friends. He then returned home and waited for his brother Scott to get home from school. Scott reportedly asked Tom about the blood spatter on the walls, and Tom told him, oh, that's just paint. Right. 
Tom began to strangle Scott, first with his hands and then with a pair of pajama pants. He laid his dead body on the floor of his parents' bedroom. Scott Odell was 10 years old. And that's what I don't get. Like, his resentment was towards his parents. Right. You know, like, why bring siblings into it? You know? Right. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't get the mindset with that. Carolyn typically would pick Sean and Robin up from school, but on Friday, November 8th, Tom took his father's car and went to pick up his other two siblings. Upon returning home from school, he blindfolded his brother, Sean, tying his hands behind his back and brought him into the master bedroom and began stabbing him in the throat, neck, and head. He left the room to get Robin, but he heard a noise that made him turn around. He said that when he turned around, he realized Sean was still alive, so he stabbed him in the head a few more times before the body went lifeless. Sean Odell was 13. Damn. Finally, Sean went to get his sister, Robin. He put his hands over her eyes and told her that he had a surprise for her and led her to the master bedroom. According to Tom, Robin said, quote, this better be a good surprise, end quote. He then removed his hands and yelled, surprise! And there was their entire family dead on the floor. He described the fear in her eyes as he stabbed her repeatedly in the neck and in the side of her abdomen. Like, I just don't get it. Like, like I still don't get it. Like, I, I can, okay. I can understand his resentment towards Robin. Mm-hmm. You know, but why the why the siblings? It wasn't their fault. Yeah. You know, like, you killed the two people that had abused you and had let the abuse go. Right. You know? Like, they did nothing at all to you. Right. You're, you know, your siblings did nothing at all to you. I, I don't know if he was thinking maybe that he didn't want his siblings growing up without parents. Well... And Robin was only 14, so they're 14, 13, and 10. And it just seems like he took particular joy in inflicting fear on Robin before he killed her. Well, yeah, because at that point, everybody everybody else is dead. They're all in the master bedroom. Right. So to me, it doesn't seem like it was like a mercy thing, like, oh, I don't want you to you know, grow up knowing what happened or, you know, didn't seem like it was like that at all. It seemed like he was enjoying it. Right. And what does a 19-year-old do after he kills his entire family? Well, for Tom Odell, he met up with friends, drank alcohol, used drugs, and stayed the night at a hotel in Mount Vernon that was about a mile away from where his family was laying there dead. Tom was taken into custody while leaving the hotel the next morning and he was with a 15 year old girl he admitted to the murders he apparently showed zero remorse and according to his uncle tom was quote calm cool and collected end quote yeah so there was like he was just cold-blooded very the bodies of the odell family were discovered after robert failed to show up for his 4 p.m. shift at the Illinois Bell Telephone Company. And at that point, somebody went to the house and found the bodies of Carolyn, Robin, Sean, Scott, and Robert. 
The town was shocked is like putting it mildly. That's right. not even an appropriate word. Right. And they were disgusted. They wanted justice for this family. And Carolyn, despite the history of abusing her children, was pretty well respected in the community. In fact, she was the president of the PTO at Horace Mann School in Mount Vernon. And I'm going to let you read a quote from a neighbor that describes Robert Odell. Uh, she said, quote, Bobby was just a wonderful man. You couldn't ask for a nice person, end quote. And I think that, like, from the outside, people saw this mother that was, you know, maybe strict with her kids, but, you know, on the PTO and, you know, the hardworking dad. And it does seem like the, like Robert Odell was, you know, like a nice guy, but at the same time, if this abuse is going on and you're not doing anything about it. Yeah, if you're being complacent with abuse, then that's kind of fucked up, you know? Right. Like, I don't know. Like, if you started, like, wailing on our kids and trying to tie them up, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. Right. I'm taking all the kids, like, right. yours, mine, and ours, and we're leaving. Like, right. you can just fuck off and go to hell. Right. You know, like, I'm not going to, but this is also, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it's 1985, so I think, like, hitting your kids or even, like, whipping them with a belt was pretty well accepted. That, yeah. But I don't know about tying them up. That seems a little extreme. That, that's a little extreme. You and know, it seems and I think like that the mental abuse was just as very bad as, extreme. Right. The mental abuse seemed like it was more extreme than the physical abuse. Kind right. Of. Right. You know, especially with, she might not have even, th- like, she might not have thought, like, Carolyn might not have thought that she was, ab- like, mentally abusing Tom because, like, hey, you know, I'm spending more time with my daughter. I'm showing more affection towards my daughter. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. It's kind of weird, you know. Moms normally show more affection to daughters. Dads normally towards sons. You know, kind of. You know, you know, for the most part. You know, you know what I'm saying. I'm I'm a mama's boy. Like I I will forever be a mama's boy. I well, know this. I'm just thinking like in my family and your family and then our family together. It's almost the opposite. The mamas love their boys. Right. Like we love all our babies, but it almost seems like. You know, you've got your daddy's girls and your mama's boys. Right. I don't know. But it just, I mean, if she was raised in a household like that, would she have known better? I mean, I'm not making excuses for Carolyn abusing her children. No. I'm just thinking, like, the system has failed. Right. You know, the system failed to, like, when when DCFS was involved. It took Scott, it took just Scott. Right. And then what what was the follow-up? And then, you know, with as much trouble as Tom had been in, I don't blame his parents for kicking him out. But, I mean, in today's world, he probably would have had psychological help. And I know in the 80s, that wasn't necessarily... No. No, And especially if he was on, like, heroin and coke and stuff like that, too, you know, like, that's going to drive his mental decisions, too. Yeah. Like, his mental mindset, you know, and I don't know. And then he said that he was on LSD, like, when he committed the crimes. Like, yeah. I, I don't buy that, you know. He might have been, he might have taken acid, you know, but I don't buy that that's the reason why he snapped and killed his family. Right. I mean, you know? I think he was deeply disturbed. Right. In 1986, jurors took less than two hours to find Tom Odell guilty on all five counts of murder. The prosecutors pursued the death penalty, but the defense argued that Tom was, quote, a child abuse victim 
who was under stress and out of control at the time of the killings, end quote. So, so I mean, can, I mean, can, he didn't really plan this out. So why wouldn't it be second degree murder? Because it's a crime of passion. I mean, not well, less. Well, okay, I can see maybe his father's being second degree right, murder, but, can, but he okay. sat and waited for his. And then he, he picked up his brothers yeah, and sisters. The other four, I think, are clearly premeditated. Um, but I mean, I do think that the child abuse should be a mitigating factor, but I think unfortunately there really wasn't a record of it other than the DCFS call, which was specific to Sean and not involving Tom. Yeah, Sean, not not Scott, sorry. I called him Scott earlier. But then, I I mean, I, I don't know. I'm in that weird kind of mindset where, yeah, the child abuse was horrendous, like, that it happened to him. But how do we... Like, you're still in charge of what you do now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it might have been a mitigating factor, like, beforehand, but I don't get how that's going to, like, I don't get how we can still use that as a defense for what you did now. Well, and I don't think they were trying to make it a defense as far as the conviction, but more for a reason he shouldn't get the death penalty. Okay. Tom also claimed he was under the influence of LSD, like you said. And several psychological examinations were performed, and that evidence was presented to. The findings supported that Tom had a borderline personality disorder and findings consistent with prolonged child abuse. So, I mean, we don't have capital punishment anymore in Illinois, but my opinion, and this may not be a popular one, but my opinion is that he probably should not have gotten the death penalty probably not but he did he was sentenced to death right and i'm gonna have you read a quote um from tom odell uh tom said quote when i was given the death penalty i had no feeling which was probably why the judge said i lacked remorse end quote and that would make sense right and i mean i think he was mentally numb now whether or not that's something that was a result of child abuse or whether or not he's a sociopath i can't answer right um, Tom Odell became the youngest person on death row in Illinois at the time at age 19. While on death row, Tom married a woman who wrote to him, but later divorced. I will never understand. I'm sorry. Maybe this makes me judgmental, but I will never understand women that write to convicted murderers and marry them while they're in prison. I don't get it. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Oh my. Looking for <laughs> love in all the wrong places. I just, I don't get it. I don't know. How did freaking Charles Manson still have freaking all his girlfriends and shit? I know. Like up until the day he died, he still he had. He was like in the 80s and I think he was engaged to like some 21 year old right. from Bethalto, Illinois. Right. But, and then he, after that, he still had girlfriends. It's just you know, weird. Like, I, some people, there's people in this world that are just kind of, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and they're, they're hit, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they get off on that kind of stuff. Like, Maybe. no offense to Tom. I just don't get it. And while he was in prison at Menard, he also served time with John Wayne Gacy, the infamous Chicago Land Con killer. Yep. I'm glad you know who that is. Well, it says right there, Chicago he was, <laughs> Well, he was on death row for a total of 17 years. He actually watched 
or well, he didn't watch the actual execution, but he was on the death row wing when John Wayne Gacy left to go get executed. And he actually talks about it in Hanlon's book and says that Gacy creeped him out severely. Well, yeah, I mean, like, so Tom is, we can admit that, you know, like, I, you know, I, I know in this episode I've already went back and forth on the whole child abuse thing. But he had reasons to do what he did. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't know if I okay. go that far. That's probably it, a stretch. Okay, he... He himself thought he had reasons to do it. He, he wasn't just a uh, he wasn't, he wasn't just a like a serial killer though. He was right. he was a mass murderer, right. par- like a uh, familial side, killed right. his family, you know. But he wasn't he wasn't there Gacy was no, and looking right. for and there little, wasn't a like, perverted boys and then you know raping them and killing them. Right, there was no sexual motive or anything no. like that. Um, and then, as we all know, that in uh, 2003, Governor George Ryan commuted all death sentences to life in prison in Illinois after a series of wrongful convictions so, were overturned. I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but so Ryan commuted all death sentences. They right. can, that doesn't mean he banned it. Like, the, the death sentence isn't abolished in Illinois, is it? Well, it is now, but it wasn't as of 2003. It didn't get abolished, actually, until um, 2011 or 2012. Okay. I can't remember. I didn't, know, but I didn't know if everybody was just going off of, like, <laughs> Ryan's commutation, being like, yeah, we're just not going to do death sentences anymore. Yeah, it was eventually abolished um, by Governor Pat Quinn, but... Um, yeah, this blanket commutation was very controversial well, yeah. because it did let people like Tom Odell, whether or not you agree or not that he should have had the death penalty, I personally are kind of right. more in favor of life for him. But, you know, if Gacy had lived a couple of more years before his execution, life. I mean, he would have, like, that would have let John Wayne Gacy off death row. I mean, it was just. But Gacy, was, he was never going to get out of prison, though. Even if well, no, and I don't think Tom Odo will either. But this was just a this was just blanket. It wasn't, and that's where there's a lot of controversy because he could have taken it on a case by case basis. He right. could have looked at each person's case, but instead he just said, "No, I'm going to give them all a blanket commutation and you take away all their death sentences." It's fucked up that a governor has that ability, has that power, right? And so there was a lot of controversy with that. After Tom realized he was no longer going to be executed, he began corresponding with Dr. Robert Hanlon, a neuropsychologist, in order to gain understanding as to why this happened. And Tom really wanted to know, like, why did I do this? He didn't understand it himself. And after these communications, Hanlon wrote a book in which Tom Odell has a lot of contributions to this book. Like there's several quotes, there's experts from the letters and it's, I really do highly recommend it. It's called survived by one, the life and mind of a mass murderer. Right. Um, if you're interested in learning more about this crime or Tom's psyche, you should probably check that book out. Right. I might have to read that book. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. I, I am not gonna lie. I liked it. Right. You know, if you like true crime, um, in the reference section on our page, you can find all the references that I use, newspaper articles, that kind of stuff. Um, but as where it stands now, Tom Odell is going to be serving a life sentence with no possibility of parole. 
He's at Dixon Correctional Center, and he's been in custody now for over 35 years. Good. You know, that 35 years can't bring back the lives that were lost, though. Robert, Carolyn, Robin, Sean, Scott, all five of them lost their lives in this crime, and they died, you know, just horrific deaths. I mean, murder is terrible, on its own, but this is one that was just like, it almost reminds me of like serial killer, even though Tom Odell is not considered a serial killer because all the murders happen at one time. It almost reminds me of like a slasher film. Right. Kind of like, you know, him showing the other members of the family, the other dead bodies. Like that part is what sticks out to me. Right. You know? Would it have been different if Tom had stayed in the military? Maybe. You know, would that structure have given him... Well, so here's the thing. He got an honorable discharge. Like, yeah. so he was doing good yeah. in the military. It's not like he was dishonorably discharged. You know? Right. In Hamlin's book, he said that the structure of the military was helping him tremendously. Right. But he got lovesick. Well, he was 19. And he came back for this girl who then broke up with him. I just wonder what branch he served at where he only had like a year of service. Well, like I said, I think that he exaggerated or faked an injury or something. Oh, okay. Because he kind of talks about that. I can't remember the specifics because it's been a minute. But, um, you know, he did basically what he had to do to get out with an honorable discharge. Okay. Um... Tom, I mean, what do you think about him being spared the death penalty? I mean, there's nothing I can really say about it. I mean, it's just one of those things that happened. I don't agree. I mean, I don't know. We're so wishy-washy on the death penalty in this household. I mean, the crimes he committed are so terrible. Right. They're just, they're beyond Especially with his sister. Right. Like, I'm sorry, like, you were like, surprise, they're all dead, and then killed her. Right. And he, like, ambushed his mother and showed his mother his father's body. Like, I definitely see where he had more resentment for the women in his family than the boys. Right. And then, interesting enough, he stabbed all of them except except Scott, the littlest brother. And that's the one that he strangled. And so some people said that's because... He kind of liked Scott, and Scott was one of the ones that he cared about more than the other ones. Right. It's just kind of interesting. It is very interesting. So I just, I don't know. I I look at the crime, and I'm like, he should have gotten the death penalty. And then I think about the abuse and, you know, the fact that he did make steps while he's been in prison to, to understand what happened and work through his bullshit. Right. You know, his psychological trauma and stuff. That makes me feel a little better about him not having the death penalty. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. But you guys can visit the website, www.themidwestcrimefiles.com. Make sure you like and follow us on Facebook and... We will see you later. Bye, guys. Bye.